0: Okay, so I get DMs and I get emails uh, on a daily basis after this program goes off the air or after people listen to the podcast. And it was interesting. Yesterday on the show, I had a conversation with Brian Boyle, who's uh, announced his retirement from hockey. We last saw him playing last season with the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, and last night he made his debut as an analyst on the NHL network we wish him all the best in his new career part of the conversation revolved around him being a new hockey dad and you know him being you know the father of a of, of a hockey player and just getting into the the early mornings and the bad coffee and and all of it And I was talking to him yesterday and mentioned one thing specifically that seemed to trigger a lot of people. And they sent me notes about it and I want to read some to you. I mentioned that I dread the last drive. Many people have gone through this. I haven't yet, but I dread the last drive to hockey because uh, what do you do next? So a couple of people reached out to me afterwards. Well, I'm going to read a couple here. So James Anderson. James is a uh, station manager for uh, Rogers TV in Durham region Georgina and Dufferin Caledon. So he sends me this email Uh, just listening to your show and chat with Brian Boyle. I've been a hockey dad since 1996. Wow. My oldest son aged out in midget. My youngest was in hockey school here in Georgina. Both ended up playing rep for the Georgina Blaze. Chris Charity played for the Georgina Blaze. Sean Walker I think for LA, Aaron Ambrose of the uh, Canadian national team. I'll play Georgina Blaze. Anyhow, uh, my youngest is playing U18, just days away from his last game in minor hockey. We're off to Halton Hills Friday night for the last round robin game with the quarterfinal starting as soon as Sunday. While well, they already have enough points to advance as a nine seed out of 13, not sure how long this success will last. My wife and I are struggling as we know our minor hockey life of 27 years is coming to an end within a few days tournament party rooms kids playing mini sticks in hotel hallways crappy arena popcorn multiple kilometers on our vehicles and that hockey bag smell as we head home from the rink we are going to miss it all our boys have made us so proud and their sisters who have made the trips all over Ontario with us great friendships not just for our boys but for us too What the hell do we do next winter? James, thanks so much for that one. And I got a DM from someone that I I DM with on occasion. Great hockey dad by the name of Todd Gallant. Um, Just finished shoveling my driveway while listening to your segment with Brian Boyle yesterday. I got to say I'm having a tough time keeping it together, knowing that my boy is playing his final regular season home game with the Charlottetown Islanders tonight. All the early mornings and road trips have been so worth it. They're going to be there's going to be a ton of emotions when he steps on that ice tonight. Enjoy it while it lasts because it goes by so fast. Here's how messed up I am about all of this. Because things like this really hit me hard and I think about my kids who are still like in the infancy. I have a I'm gonna sound like you know, D bag hockey dad here. I got two thousand ten to two thousand twelve. I got a thirteen year old and eleven year old. That's how sane people would say it. Um, you know, they're nowhere near the, uh, the end of their hockey journey here, but I'm already, you know, dreading what's going to happen on that last car ride, what the conversation is going to be like the last time they skate off the ice, the last time they go out of a dressing room. Here's a little peek into, into the, 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 the twisted psyche of mine and how steeped I am in nostalgia. And if you know anything about me, you know, that's true. This is how messed up it is, folks. I'm already feeling bittersweet nostalgia for something that hasn't even happened yet. Just let that sink in for one second about how messed up I must be. The fact that here I am dreading something that's gonna happen years and years and years away, and I already have a bittersweet nostalgia about it. Your boy Merrick is pretty messed up. Let's start the program there. This is The Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I think a lot of us... Uh, by the way, welcome to the program. Elliot's standing by. Elliot's decided to work today, by the way. Uh, Elliot's uh, going to be coming up here in a couple of moments. Also on the program today, we'll be talking to Kevin Snow, the author of The Science of Hockey, The Math, Technology, and Data Behind the Sport. I've been talking about this book for a couple of weeks now and read it on my way back from Dallas the other night and... It's exceptional, um, and we're going to go through it all uh, with Kevin coming up in hour 2 we're going to play some of our Jason Robertson interview that Elliot and I did um, a couple of days ago when we got to Dallas. This would have been Monday, so uh, you'll hear from Jason Robertson a little bit later on. That's on the Most Current podcast. It just came out later on today. Available, as we say, on your favorite pod catcher. Um, a couple of surprise retirements. Well, one surprise, retirement, and another that I think probably caught some people by surprise. I know a couple of people that I texted with this morning were surprised by it as well. First of all, John Garrett last night announced that this will be his final season behind the mic in the booth calling Vancouver Canucks games with John Shorthouse and Dan Murphy. Now, he is still staying on to do special projects, whatever that may be, but at the end of the season, that's it for Cheech in the booth. Um, I don't know where to begin with John Garrett. Uh, just adore him. I, whenever I hear his name, I smile. Whenever I hear him on television, on radio, I get that soap and warm water feeling. Um, I was mentioning on the podcast, a, a line from Miles Davis that I really like, and it goes something along the lines of, it takes a long time to sound like yourself. And John Garrett, if you've listened to him for any amount of time, whether, you know, going back to the Don Whitman days, Uh, You know, he's always been very comfortable sounding like himself. It doesn't seem like John Garrett ever went through any time of awkward transition from player to broadcaster ever. Um, John, I know you still have more games to do, but man, take a bow. What a terrific career in the booth with Shorthouse and Murphy and that crew, and John was a huge part of it, really distinguished themselves as one of the premier, like elite level Cadillac top shelf tape measure home run broadcast crews around the nhl steve Coates, i want to mention as well uh, 43 years working as a broadcaster with the philadelphia flyers um, he calls it a career as well there'll be a pregame ceremony for for steve uh, april 1st as the flyers face off against the buffalo sabers as we bring in elliot friedman from 32 thoughts and hockey night in canada hello fridge
1: hey jeff how you doing bud
0: uh, I'm good. Um, just mention a couple of broadcasters that are that are, are wrapping it up. Although Garrett's still going to be doing some things for us on Sportsnet. You know, we were in the middle of doing our podcast last night where, boom. Ah, uh, the bomb drops, and John Garrett announces that uh, at the end of the season he won't be in the booth anymore. And then this morning, we wake up to the news about Steve Coates. So Steve is a you know a Toronto guy, uh, played with the uh, Markham Waxers uh, growing up back when they were called the Markham Silowax. That's how far back Coates he goes. Mm. Uh, with that organization he wraps it up after uh, 43 years as well um i mean john is most immediate for all of us certainly with sportsnet and being canadian as well we've all listened to john for a number of years followed him um through junior hockey through the wha through the nhl and the transition to uh to broadcasting uh let's start with a thought on uh, on, on both these gentlemen john garrett and steve Coates. Coates here in philadelphia
1: Well, I mean, Garrett. uh, uh, We talked about him on the pod today. Uh, I was watching last night as he announced it. I mean, obviously, uh, I probably well, I've watched a lot of Steve Coates over the years. Um, I've probably watched a lot more of John Garrett than I have of Coates, just because of the sheer amount of time I've spent watching Canucks games. And uh, you know, Garrett is like I love the Canucks broadcast team. I think they've got. I think they've got great chemistry. uh, between the three main members, uh, Dan Murphy, John Shorthouse, and Garrett. I think Shorthouse and Garrett called a great game together. You can tell they have a hilarious time uh, away from the ice, too, and that translates to the broadcast. And, um, you know, I just think John called a, a hell of a game. And, you know, I don't want to copy too many things I said on the podcast today, but one of the things I really appreciated about John was that he listened to the stuff that was said in the studio, and he would refer to it on air. and uh, Because I think uh, an overall show sounds better when the studio and the people at the rink are listening to each other and referring to things that each other says. And uh, I think the viewer notices it. I think your teammates notice it. And it makes the, the broadcast sound much more harmonious. And John was one of the best at that. Craig Simpson really good at it, too. Um, but John was one of the best and one of the ones I really noticed who, who used to do it a lot you know Coates um, you know, he, he just had like a funny air about him he always had this look on his face that he got away with something um, you know I kind of like that that mischievous uh, look about him I mean you yeah. can tell he really loved the flyers he loved being part of the broadcast um, he, he, was, he, he really loved being between the benches I mean, look, I mean, this happens, but that's two huge cornerstones of team broadcasting on, on the same day. And uh, I don't believe people are irreplaceable. Uh, I think almost, I think everybody is pretty much uh, replaceable, uh, including myself. Um, but I think some people are hard, harder to replace than others. And I think these are two people that mm-hmm. will be difficult to replace
0: you know i'm al- i'm always curious about because we talk about you know uh, colleagues and fellow broadcasters and fans uh, often comments on uh, on on broadcast crews that's a that's a that's a daily if you uh, if you follow hockey on twitter every single night i'm always curious how players feel about broadcasters you know like I've always you know I've I've always wanted to ask you know Mario Lemieux you know how he felt having someone like the legendary you know the booming voice of Dan Kelly call that Mm -hmm. goal in 1987 or you know people that have had very specific voices attached to big moments in their career like when when I see Kevin tomorrow HockeyNet that's one of the first things I'm gonna ask him is about you know How often do players talk about their broadcasters? And you know, listen, like Bob Cole has been attached to to so many different memories for for yeah. so many different hockey teams. And you wonder about, you know, Paul Henderson and, and Foster Hewitt with nineteen seventy two. Like that that's the one voice that I really find interesting through all of this. You know, any of those members of, of any of those Vancouver Canucks teams who had games that were in part called by John Garrett, how they felt about that? How John you know John Garrett's voice was attached to some of the biggest moments in their career. I'm really curious to see how players feel about John Garrett.
1: Well, I, I think there's probably a lot. Like, you know, you mentioned Bob Cole. I remember, uh, I think it was the 2007 Stanley Cup final, if I remember correctly, the morning of Game 7 between Edmonton and, and Carolina. Or, sorry, 2006, that would be Edmonton and Carolina. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I was chatting with Kevin Lowe. And, uh, you know, he saw Bob Cole and uh, he said to Bob, he said, uh, you know, I think what he called the boys on the bus or the new kids on the block or whatever. I know I'm butchering yeah, it Oilers boys fans. The don't kill me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Kevin Lowe would say that he would watch that periodically. And at that time it was, you know, it was 25 years later and he said he still got goosebumps that it was something that stuck with him forever. It was Bob Cole's call of their first Stanley Cup championship. So I think if you have a moment that really stands out for you, and to be honest, it's, it's probably more likely Shorthouse's voice or Jim Houston's voice, or going back, Jim Robson's voice. Um, but you've probably listened to Garrett doing a game while you're injured or you're not in the lineup for whatever reason. And you've probably laughed at, at, uh, you'd probably laugh your head off at something he said. Like, you know, the other night I was out there for the telethon and it was pretty obvious to me that he had one eye on the game and he had one eye on the World Baseball Classic. And I thought it was hilarious because he kept <laughs> he referred to the World Baseball Classic a couple of times during the broadcast. I was like, there's only one guy who can get away with that. And so, I don't know. Like, the thing about me was, you know, Garrett could take it very seriously. He could, there were things on there that really bothered him. But I think he also had the right balance between it's a game and it's and it's serious, and uh I don't know i just yeah. uh you know I, like it like it's it's it, they're a heck of a team, they're a great broadcast, they really are, and uh it's going to be very different and um you know i you know i just uh I think Garrett has earned the right to make his call
0: absolutely Um, to the game and some of the games from last night and some of the races that we wake up to and we wonder about Um, what's more interesting to you Elliot will go one west and one east Uh, are you more intrigued by Florida Pittsburgh and that race or are you more interested in Nashville Winnipeg your thoughts on this one
1: well I'm just interested in races Uh, I don't discriminate Jeff I are you trying to make me make either <laughs> the East or the West hate me?
0: Uh, uh, if it was the West, it would be I'm trying to make them hate you more.
1: That's right, because I live in Toronto, so they already hate me <laughs> to begin with. Um, you know, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll say this: I think <coughs> the the West race is. Um, I think the West race is fascinating to me because i think it should be over um like like i think winnipeg should be free and clear and they can't get away from these guys like calgary with that loss last night like the math is really bad for them um the odds are still yeah. with the jets um national's got the better math but they've got no room for error none and i still think that as impressed as I am with the way Nashville has played post-deadline, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to do what needs to get done here. Um, like, so I look at that West race as it should probably be over already. You know, the East race, I, I think it's probably more interesting because it involves Pittsburgh. It's Crosby. Um, you know, he put the team on his back the other night in that game in Denver. Um, that unbelievable backhand goal i, I, I you know no. I think the like if you look jeff in the in the western Conference of the nBA this year the the l a Lakers and I know lebron 's been hurt, but they 're like battling to make the playoffs they 're right on the cut line, and in the east you 've got Crosby and Malkin battling to make the playoffs they 're right on the cut line there 's something really fascinating to me about both of those situations. Like we're talking about two of the greatest players ever. And it's not like, it's not their fault. Like, I don't think anybody's looking at it like an idiot like that, but we're not used to seeing like those kinds of guys battling to make the playoffs. And I think that with everything that's on the line in Pittsburgh and with everything they did last summer to keep those three guys together, I I think it's a a more fascinating story. And, and it's going to come down to who does a better job keeping the puck out of the net. Is it the Casey DeSmith, Dustin Tokarski Penguins with Jari injured again? Or is it the Bobrovsky-Lion Panthers? And that's what, it's, that's what it's going to come down to. Like I think you're with me. We've talked about it enough. I think Sorok and Varlamov get the Islanders into the playoffs. I, I'm not as worried about them. But I'm looking at those goaltending situations in Pittsburgh and Florida, and I'm just wondering, okay, who's going to win out?
0: You know, the interesting thing about the Florida Panthers, Pittsburgh Penguins as well, and we can measure off, you know, weight of schedule and who's got the tougher schedule. Um, Just having a glance at it today, the interesting thing about it is it's not as if, you know, one team has, you know, two or three back-to-back scenarios. Each only have one back-to-back scenario for the remainder of the schedule, the Florida Panthers have uh, Leaf Montreal back to back, and the Pittsburgh Penguins have a Boston Philadelphia back to back. Other than that, yep. there are days in between for rest. So this is going to be like it's not going to be you know one team that's been dragged through a number of back to backs, or another team that's had their their schedule compressed like we see with uh, with the Nashville Predators because of what happened earlier on the season. Um, yep. This is going to be like it looks like despite you know the injury factor it looks like the East is kind of, kind of be as close to a clean race as possible where no one mm-hmm. can say, yeah, well, we had three back to back. So we had horrible travel, you know, me- again, measure off the weight of each schedule, but still, this one looks like it's going to be a clean race for each.
1: Yeah, it, it, it does. Um, and may the best team win. Like I, you, you get yourself in there, earn it. Like I give the Islanders credit. They, when Barzell went down, everybody was like, oh no, they're doomed. And, and, and they've, They've kind of taken, and they were the ones too, because they played more games that they kind of lost control of their destiny for a minute, but they've, they've wrestled it back. They've done a really nice job. And they, I think they're, I think they're going to earn their way in. I'm, I'm looking at, like, again, the jets to me one, like that's like, they played pretty well last night. I thought they deserved that win in Anaheim. I'm just amazed that they're kind of in that spot. Like, you know, they've had times where they've grabbed an absolute chokehold of that race. Like they've had a big lead and a couple times now they've left Calgary and Nashville back in. And right now it's more likely Nashville mm-hmm. than Calgary, uh, obviously if anyone's gonna catch them. But I, I just look at it like I'm I'm just surprised that the Jets have had chances to close the door. Maybe they should have signed Mariano Rivera to lock it down, but they, they haven't been able to do yeah. it yet.
0: What do you think of Nashville right now? And by the way, how do you feel about, you know, this is a sort of, you know, peek into the psyche of someone. Um, mm-hmm. The Nashville Predators still have 12 games to play. Um, the Winnipeg Jets have nine games to play. There is five points separating the two. How do you look at, uh, this is going to be whether Elliot's a glass half full or a glass half empty kind of person, how do you look at games in hand? Do you assume that they're wins do you assume that they're losses until proven otherwise? Because Nashville's got, uh, got the three games in hand, and if they win yeah. all three, then they leapfrog over the Winnipeg Jets. How do you view games in hand?
1: Well, I, I view games in hand as they're good for math, as I always say, but you've got to win them. Like, uh, like, I'm looking at their schedule, okay? And the other thing, too, is, and it kind of fits when you lose as much experience as they did at the deadline, you're you're inconsistent, right? Like, they've got some young pieces that look like they're going to be good players, like Novak, Evangelista. But those guys are, are not always as used to this kind of pace and this kind of intensity in these kinds of games. So, like, you know, the other night in New York, like, they, they play on Saturday against the Jets. They lose a tough one in overtime. Yossi gets hurt. They go into New York, and they just get destroyed. Like, you're going to have games like that when, you know, when Niederreiter's gone and Eckholm's gone and, and um, Grandland's gone. Like, these are players who played high up, in, higher up in your lineup and they're experienced guys. I think it makes it that much tougher. Like, you know, like I've got to tell you, they go, they had a big win last night over Seattle. They play Seattle again tomorrow. Then they've got Toronto and then they've got to go to Boston. Like, that's a tough ask. That's a really, really tough ask. So over those four games, you're already one for one. You know, you probably, because of the situation you're in points-wise, you probably need six points in those eight games to still be in it. You know, Jeff, they got yeah. two, but can they get four more between Seattle, Toronto, and at Boston? It's a tough, tough ask.
0: Yeah. The, the, thing, the thing about the Preds, too, Frege, is we just talked back, about back-to-backs, and we, listen, we understand why they got compressed here for, for Nashville at the end. They've got three back-to-back scenarios. Yep. You look at it and say, yeah, the, you know, the, the pathway is there for them, but Seattle-Toronto, back-to-back, Dallas-Vegas, back-to-back, and then you finish with, oh, this isn't going to tickle, Minnesota-Colorado. Yeah. games 81 and 82. Now, you would imagine that some players would be, you know, resting for playoffs then, but still, if it comes down to those last couple of days, you know, 13th of April yeah. and 14th of April, that is a really tough ask for the Nashville Predators. But if they can do it, you know that they've earned it. And as much as you yeah, might yeah. want to play UC Soros all the way, Kevin Lankin has been good. Yeah, he, like he had that, the rough it's not night as if they in, have in to the ride Rangers, all the way. But that
1: was an overall rough night. Like I don't just pin pin that one on. That off,
0: was yeah. that, that that was a uh, that was a tough one for the entire team. Um yeah. what did you make of Carolina? What did you if anything? And we all know like what happened, you know, the the Rangers, you know, knocked out Carolina last season, but uh, we saw them again last night and we talked on the podcast about the pulley RV. Uh, glorious Chance and Shisterkin's blocker, etc. 2-1 uh, to one is the final. Uh, Carolina has a playoff spot. Clinch them in Boston, the only two. Do you have a thought on what we saw between Carolina and the New York Rangers, and how do you see these two teams?
1: Well, I think I've actually been pretty impressed with Carolina. Um, you know, I think that when they when they lost the guys they lost, Pacioretty and... Uh, and also um, Svechnikov, I think everybody was kind of wondering, are they going to be able to hang on here? And look, they've still got 12 games to play, and New Jersey's got 11, but they've shown that they're not going down easy. Like, I think there were a lot of people who thought that the Devils were going to steamroll past them to take the Metropolitan. And, you know, Carolina's still two points up and a game in hand. Um, you know, I, I just – so I've been impressed by them. You know, the Rangers are kind of sitting there. They're likely dialed into third spot. Um, You know, I I think this, like, I want to see, when I look at the Rangers, like, I'm just curious to see how they're going to handle speed. They're going to have to deal likely with the Devils. Uh, If they have to deal with the Devils in the first round, I think that's a really tough matchup for them. The Devils are fast. You know, the Rangers have some guys who like to play a bit more east-west. Like, I actually look at the Rangers and wonder if Carolina is the better matchup for them. And I wouldn't really say that a lot because I think Carolina has a hell of a team. But I'm, I'm not sure I like the stylistic matchup of Devils-Rangers for New York. I just don't know if that's the kind of team you want to get in the first round if you're the Rangers. So... Like uh, like they've played they played the other day and they played again last night. I mean, as you would expect, there's not a lot of margin of, of of difference between those two teams. Both really good teams, but I do wonder if deep down the Rangers look at the Hurricanes and say, as you know, Jeff, they'll never say it publicly. There's no pick your opponent here. I just wonder if they look at it and yeah. say, you know what, Hurricanes might be better for us than the Devils are.
0: You know, he, he, here's an interesting one because I don't know that there's a team that I've seen play better and worse at the almost same time than the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like that game yeah. the other night against Colorado, they were just ri- ridiculous. So here's what I wonder about today, in the spirit of if you could pick your opponents, If you're the Boston Bruins... Who are having, you know, channeling their inner 1977 Montreal Canadiens here? It's just a ridiculous, you know, ridiculous run that the Boston Bruins are on this season. And they beat Montreal in a very rough affair last night. If you're the Boston Bruins, which team would you rather play, the Florida Panthers or the Pittsburgh Penguins? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing the Penguins. As great, and when I say great, like when they're on, like that Colorado game, oof. Mm-hmm. They look they they could beat anybody. They look like they can beat anybody. Now, inconsistency has been the call of the day for the Pittsburgh Penguins this season. Florida Panthers, on the other hand, I mean Matthew Kachuk is having an all-world season. The Florida Panthers will have better goaltending than the Pittsburgh Penguins. Which team do you think they would choose? Or maybe a better way to phrase it is. Which team would have a better shot? Because if you're going to beat the Boston Bruins, you need to bring your A-plus game and have it every single game in the postseason. Which of those two do you think would have a better chance? My gut tells me Pittsburgh, but then I think about the goaltending. Your
1: thoughts? Well, I think the goaltend is the biggest one. Like, who's. Who. who, Like, is Jari going to. Like, we saw this movie in Pittsburgh last year before.
0: I know, I know.
1: And so that's the thing. Like, if Jari's not there and your goaltending's not healthy, I think you're taking Pittsburgh. You know, the one, th- the one thing about the Penguins this year is, like, their depth hasn't been great. Um, they're really banged up. They are really, really banged up. Like, still, like, you know, Petrie, mm-hmm. Patterson, petterson has been one of their besties this year. Now he's out. Um, You know, it's funny. Like, I think there's a lot of reasons to say you'd rather pay Pittsburgh. And then I look at the guy who's the captain and wears number 87. And I'm thinking, get that guy away from me. I go, I want no part of him. (laughs) It's like all these people who are watching Tampa right now. And they're, they're like, oh, they're washed. They're tired. Like, they got pummeled in Ottawa last night. They're washed. They're tired. They're done. And I'm like, do you guys ever listen to yourselves? Like we we heard this all last year, and they came back yeah. and they and they beat Toronto. Toronto should have beaten them last year. They had them beat, and mm-hmm. Tampa crawled off the mat. Like I'm just I always say like, oh these guys are done. They're washed. Yeah, give me great talent yeah. that works hard all the time.
0: Here's another one. I mentioned this on the podcast as well. Um, 45 goals is a lot, right? Like, that's a really good season. 45 goals with about 10 games remaining in the season. Like, that's a really good season, right? 45 goals. Last time I checked, I mean, I'm kind of new to hockey fridge, but fill me in. Is is 45 goals a lot? Braden Uh, Point's got 45 uh, goals. Not a whisper anywhere.
1: Maybe not when grad school is (laughs) scored
0: 92, but yes. (laughs) Not a peep anywhere. Normally, anytime anyone comes close to tickling 50, we all go crazy. Here's Braden Point. And all we want to talk about is how Tampa's washed. And then here's Braden Point with this season out of, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but here's with this great goal scoring season. I know we always say we don't talk about ranting enough when it comes to goal scoring, but um, you know, Braden Point would like to enter the chat. Thank you very much. Um, Free Giroux, have a great rest of your afternoon. Uh, It is sunny where you live. Enjoy it. Uh, I know you like getting out there for a walk, so I hope you get a chance to do that. And we'll look for you on Hockey Night tomorrow. All right, buddy. Take care. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.